One of 11 from the charity stripe, yet Wake Forest was never really intending to employ the Hackahoo strategy that would have sent the Virginia Cavaliers to the line even more frequently. They trusted their defense. It was just not enough. That is one of the topics we cover right now to kick off covering the come off. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. With JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, we were sitting there after Virginia's 49-47 victory against Wake Forest this past Saturday, marveling at a stat sheet that looked fairly even with the only big discrepancy being free throw production and yet the team that was horrible at the line still managed to come away with a two-point victory have you seen anything quite like that i don't think so ed and i've been around for a while so uh no one for 11 was unbelievable really i i, I don't just i don't know how you, you can almost close your eyes and make two uh i, I don't i don't have any answer for that i, I know they practice free throws every day they put them in various situations and and shoot them uh it's just no no explanation for how poorly they shot at the line and they've been bad all year uh in games leading up to it they had improved a little bit but uh one for 11 will normally get you beat they were very lucky to survive that Wake Forest game with with under those circumstances. One of the positives from that is that Virginia at least having the presence of mind to know they've got to buckle down even more on the defensive side of the ball. What kind of testament is that, particularly that a guy like Reese Beatman continues to elevate his game? Well, I think they focused a lot on defense after that loss to Pitt where they gave up 14 threes and they limited Wake Forest, who lit them up from the the three point arc in the previous game down in Winston Salem. So they they worked really hard on that aspect and some other defensive strategies to try to keep Wake Forest down, and they did. I mean, Wake Forest was averaging 80 points a game coming in and, and scored um, 47, so uh, or 45, but. Um, so they, they accomplished a lot on that end of the floor. I think, uh, yeah, Reese Bigman is really starting to flourish. We always knew what a great defensive player and assist man he was and not turning the ball over, but he's become much more aggressive offensively, hunting shots, uh, kind of putting the team on his back in certain circumstances and, and almost willing them to victory. And so... Uh, that's a big aspect of, of his contribution and his improvement uh, as he continues to finish up his senior campaign. Jerry Ratcliffe.com founder and contributor Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe stepping into the fast lane. Hootie, back to the free throw shooting as it looks ahead as Virginia Tech waits Virginia tonight, 6.30 year time, CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Do you expect that Mike Young and Virginia Tech, if this game is close, that they would consider employing the Hackahoo strategy by fouling the Cavaliers and just testing them at the free throw line? Well, I think that's something you would have to explore if the game is on the line and you don't have any other answers. I, 
Uh, yeah, I would think that they would definitely look into that. Uh, there's no guarantee that Virginia would shoot that poorly again, but uh, it, it's something you can't disregard. Uh, I think they'll probably be focusing more on trying to get their own three-point shooting going because they, they didn't do a very good job of that in the first meeting. And they got killed in the paint with Jordan Miner scoring 16 points, uh, then a season high in that game. And, and since then, uh, Blake Buchanan, the 6'11 freshman, has come on strong too. So Virginia, I'm sure, will try to exploit the paint again tonight against the Hokies and and try to keep Tech's, run Tech's three-point shooters off the line again. Also, fans need bacon, so that's why they might have to do it. Yeah. That's two- right. Uh, that's a big incentive. <laughs> it is. What college kid doesn't like bacon or fan in general, especially with uh, what you get there? Well, you get great analysis, of course, at jerryratcliffe.com. Hootie, thank you for your time and insight. We'll see you again this Saturday at JPJ. All right, Ed. We'll see you guys later. JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Now to the Rockies. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. That would be the Virginia Tech Hokies with David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. David, a pleasure to speak with you. We'll start with the men, then we'll transition to the women. Uh, save the best, literally the best of Virginia Tech's basketball programs for last. Uh, the men, they go down to North Carolina. They fall against the Tar Heels. Um, listening to it on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, your home for every Virginia Tech men's basketball game, uh, as I did on Saturday, it felt like... Virginia Tech, they could threaten to an extent, but Carolina knew and had the ability to just keep them at arm's length without exerting maximum effort. Was that your observation? And if it's a reasonable one, what does that say about how Virginia Tech just doesn't have the firepower in a a matchup like that? Yeah, Ed, uh, well, I think part of it is you're talking about North Carolina, the best team in the ACC. I think North Carolina has North Carolina talent, right? Uh, I think Virginia Tech is not necessarily in a great spot right now uh, for a lot of different reasons. But I thought, honestly, Tech played okay. I thought the, the most surprising thing was that the Hokies did not get the contributions out of Sean Padula and Hunter Couture that you would expect. Instead, it was players like MJ Collins, who had a, who had 18 to lead Virginia Tech. A guy like him stepping up. Tyler Nickel back in North Carolina, the, the Tar Heel transfer, went and knocked down a couple threes. Tech got the contributions in other areas, but Lynn Kidd, and, you know, Lynn Kidd did not necessarily have his best game. Uh, Hunter Couture and Sean Padula were quiet in moments. In a game like that of that magnitude, and similarly to a game like that of the magnitude that Virginia Tech will face tonight against Virginia, everybody has to be on. You have to be firing on all cylinders. And it brings us to that matchup tonight, Virginia at Virginia Tech, 630 airtime, CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. David, how likely is it that Mike Young and his team, if this game is close, would consider the hack-a-hoo strategy that Wake Forest chose not to implement despite the Virginia Cavaliers going 1-11 of at the charity stripe in their latest game where free-throw shooting has proven to be an issue? Yeah, I'm not sure, uh, mostly because Virginia Tech uh, does not necessarily have as much depth, uh, or quality depth, I should say. Um, I think you saw it a little bit the last time Virginia Tech was in here, um, you know, played Florida State, used a bunch of different guys. Uh, that, that strategy worked a little bit more then, but Tech needed the depth. 
Uh, I'm not sure that all of those guys are reliable. I do expect a guy like Jaden Young to play, but I think the problem is if, if you do employ that strategy, Ed, uh, you, you might end up with some of your better players in foul trouble, and you need those guys to play. It's going to be a rowdy environment. And like you said, uh, everybody wants bacon, and I'm sure they would love to get UVA to the line to miss free throws. However, uh, you don't necessarily want to give UVA free trips because there's no guarantee that that's actually going to benefit you. I know the numbers, especially from uh, – from Saturday's game against Wake Forest might say otherwise, but uh, I think Virginia Tech should play it straight up. I think the Hokies were pretty close in that first meeting in JPJ and just need to be a little bit better in front of a home crowd. Meanwhile, the Lady Hokies, they're getting better every single game. They go on the road and you witness them really control the Louisville Cardinals in Louisville, Kentucky, David where is this team right now in terms of comparing them to last year? Would you temper those expectations? Are you ready to reverse and say this team is capable of making the same run that last year's team did? Uh, I would probably still temper the expectations a little bit. But what I will say is that Virginia Tech is head and shoulders above everybody else in the ACC. I think Virginia Tech has pro- proven that consistently. Uh, you look at how went on the road and beat Syracuse, and how Tech went on the road and beat North Carolina, and how Tech went on the road and beat Louisville and NC State. The wins keep adding up, and this team is playing excellent basketball right now. I think the Hokies are doing exactly what they need to do. They're taking care of business. I think they're head and shoulders above the rest of the ACC. The problem, and why I won't say that they're capable of achieving a Final Four, what they were last year, because I think they will win the regular season title. I honestly think Virginia Tech will go and skate the rest of the way and finish an incredible 16-2, and which would be unreal. And I think Tech has a good chance to win the AC tournament, too, depending on how the bracket shakes out. The problem with the NCAA tournament is, yes, Virginia Tech will will get a a good seed, uh, potentially a one or a two seed, depending on who it beats over the next couple weeks. And I think that's very realistic. But, yes, Tech should advance out of the Blacksburg Regional when it hosts. The problem is you you don't know who you're going to run into in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. What if you run into Caitlin Clark in Iowa and she has a 50-point night, right? You You can't plan for that. So I think the ACC expectations are very realistic, but everything else... You know, it's a little hit or miss because it kind of just depends on uh, what the path is in front of you and, and, and who you end up running into. You could run into a, a buzzsaw like South Carolina, but right now they're in a really good position to just kind of sweep the ACC. The Real D. Kane on Twitter and Instagram and TechSideline.com. For the insight of David Cunningham, it's never hit or miss. It is always at the top of the charts when it comes to Virginia Tech basketball, men's and women's. David, thank you for sharing some of that today in the fast lane. Uh, enjoy the action tonight at Castle Coliseum, and we'll be listening on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Our pleasure. David Cunningham stepping in to the fast lane. Now to the Liberty Flames. With the voice of the Liberty Flames, Alan York, who is with us here in the fast lane. Alan showing up as soon as we ask him to. Unfortunately, the Liberty Flames team, they were a little bit late showing up. They fell down 18-2 early against Sam Houston State. They came back and cut that 25-point deficit in the second half all the way down to eight, but they just couldn't get any further than that. Alan, how much of this performance we saw Liberty play down the stretch against Sam Houston State was set up by the challenges that come when you have to claw your way out of a big hole. Yeah, it's a big hole, like you mentioned, Ed, and I was sitting there courtside right beside the bench. You never saw the team panic, and that's something that's just built into the culture. Uh, Coach McKay's not going to panic. 
and uh, the team follows his lead. And it was actually seven. They cut it to seven twice uh, late in the second half. But just defensively, just had some fishers that uh, just gave some openings uh, primarily on the inside of the paint, which is uh, detractors of the pack line. And that's something they're going to have to work on as they head to March. I still think it's a team that uh, can make a run in the Conference USA. And I think you've talked to many uh, pundits and prognosticators. They'd say the same thing that do follow the league. In terms of the, the fallout from that, Richie McKay was adamant afterwards that it was on him for not having this team ready because it's the second time he cited Jacksonville State as the other time where the Flames started slowly and it just put them behind the eight ball. You surprised at all that Coach McKay was that uh, critical of himself? No, I think uh, great leaders take responsibility uh, for what and who they lead. And Coach McKay's uh, one of the best I've been around in my 20-plus years calling sports professionally or at the college ranks. And uh, you would want that coach to take the ownership of that. And obviously the players uh, didn't feel great coming back home, but – I'm sure they're going to have a great week of practice as they uh, get ready for FIU back on the road on Thursday. So it's been a it's a it's it, Conference USA is a challenging. Uh, the road is grinding, uh, but you have to show up and perform. And I, I know the Flames will be ready on Thursday. We're chatting Liberty Flames with the voice of the Flames, Alan York, who's with us here in the fast lane. Alan, you mentioned the grind element to this. I mean, we, we've seen this Flames team this past Saturday was at Sam Houston State. Previously, they've had those trips to New Mexico State and UTEP. Now it's back on the road to FIU, which is in the southern part of Florida. Um, I mean, you're a broadcaster, so uh, you've got experience flying with the Flames. Granted, you're not the player who has to go out and shoot. No no disparaging, of course, to you, Alan. But you feel the wear and tear. How much does this team feel the wear and tear right now in terms of trying to push through that and best position themselves for the Conference USA tournament? You're going to have to, regardless of what uh, team you play for. Um, We signed up for it. We wanted the challenge. I don't know if uh, everybody's prepared for the coast-to-coast travel. ACC is going to get used to it with SMU and uh, Cal and Stanford next year. So that's just where we are in college athletics. And I think the more you do it, the more you go through it, uh, the more you'll be prepared down the road. And Liberty still has road trips uh, coming up to Middle Tennessee State as well. So um, the grind never stops, but we love doing it, and uh, we love doing it for Liberty. We are chatting with Alan York, play-by-play voice of the Liberty Flames. Alan, thank you for your time and perspective today in the fast lane. Much appreciated, and we look forward to doing it again. Sounds good, Ed. Have a good night. You as well. Alan York with us here in the fast lane. Stage one in the books, by the way. Chase Elliott. He did win the stage as Chevrolet surged with Kyle Larson following right behind Chase Elliott. For he didn't lead all the laps of the stage, though. Kyle Busch led a couple. David Reagan led at least one. So, but because they pitted, but he ended up winning the after, you know, He ended up winning the stage. He cycled around. It was the only interesting part of that stage. You know, it kind of was, and I guess that's why we're on in the fast lane now, so that we can get you set up for the second and third stages, which will be more <laughs> kind of like what they're doing here. Yes, very much so. Uh, you know, ring around the Rosie for a little bit of the time at Daytona. Meanwhile, ring around the Commonwealth. JMU and Radford. That was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just luck into it. Let's just call it what it is. We'll get the insight. Good. We'll call it what it is with that as well when we return here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.